Hello, and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and to provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Melissa Collier Gepford, and with me today is Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Melissa? I am good. I'm good. And today we are on part two of death and dying. And today we're going to be talking about the little deaths in life. And when I say little deaths, I mean things like metaphorical deaths, um, big life transitions, dying to self, um, struggling with questioning and faith questions. And we'll talk about that in a different episode, but all of the little things in life that feel like metaphorical deaths. And so Joy, um, I'm so glad that you're here uh, talking with me about this today because you have just undergone a very significant life change. Tell mm-hmm. us what's happening. Yeah. So about three months ago at the time that recording this, um, I had a baby boy. And so it's been a lifelong dream and desire to have children. And it's also a huge change in something that the way that you think it's going to be and the way that you think being a working mom, how that's going to work out. And it's, <laughs> it's been so different. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I've, had to, I've had to learn a lot. Uh, my identity, of course, changes. It's weird to now be a mom, like and other people refer to you as a mom and, oh, how's mom doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) My mom, that me. Yeah. (laughs) And then even just like uh, about, goodness gracious, uh, my son was about 11, 10, 11 weeks old and we, we went up up north to see family. And, and one afternoon where we drove up north to be on the lake and I looked to my husband, it was just the two of us in the car. And I said, we have our son in the back seat. Like we're parents. <laughs> like we're it's in so charge of a human weird, life. Right. Right. Like, we have to keep it alive. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's crazy. Just crazy. I'm, I'm in awe. I have to still pinch myself, but in the midst of this, now another human being is dependent on me. And of course, my husband's fantastic. He's, he's very involved, very involved father and, and fantastic husband, very supportive. But at the end of the day, like <laughs> even when I was breastfeeding too, I'm like, I am single-handedly keeping this child alive. It's right. crazy. <laughs> That's a full-time job in and of itself. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So- so Joy, you've you've waited for so long and mm-hmm. prayed for so long for this beautiful baby. And mm-hmm. and now now he's here and, and it's beautiful and joyful. And also, um, there's some losses that come with that, right? Sure. Tell me about tell me about your experiences with some of those losses. Yeah. So I think the first loss is that I can't just go do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do. Like mm-hmm. I, I literally can't just get up and I'm going to go to Target right now, or right. I'm going to, you know, enjoy myself at the pool. Like, so the loss of freedom certainly um, has been a big change for me. Even the, the loss of what I would normally consider being a success or being productive or caring for others. I have to put my son first in all of that. 
And I have to also adjust my expectations to what success looks like. When I was, I had 12 weeks of maternity time at home and I've never not worked for, um, did I say 12 months? I'm sorry, 12 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I we, had 12 we, weeks. We know it's America. It's not 12 months. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 12 weeks of maternity time at home. And I've never not worked for 12 weeks since I was 15. And so, yeah. And so to be home and be fully present with my son and what had to, to die in me was my expectation of myself to produce, Mm. um, to be for others, to do for others, to, to be productive in the, in the world, uh, and I, I use air quotes, a world as in for other people um, to be a producer in the world and f- just be fully present for my son. And so it was it was changing my expectations. And I had to reframe what a successful day looked like um, instead of doing four pastoral care calls or writing a sermon or putting on an event, um, you know, for hundred women to come and, and learn about Jesus. It was, um, going on a two mile walk mm-hmm. or having an afternoon nap where my son actually stayed asleep for two hours. That is <laughs> or, a big milestone. We yes. Celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or getting a load of laundry done or some days just holding my son and giving him care and nurturing love that he needs. And that is a successful day. And so I had to die to self achievement. Yeah. And what that looks like as now as a mom. That's so big. I think about, so I've got a two and a half year old. He'll be three in September. And I I remember that time just feeling so disoriented. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lack of sleep. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally death to sleep, right? Like it doesn't happen. Yes. (laughs) Little death of your sleep schedule and, and your eating schedule. I mean, if you're breastfeeding, it's like you're always thirsty and always hungry. And like just everything, you, you just there's just a death of all of like, even some of your basic needs. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I remember sure. telling my husband to feel human. I have to take a shower every day. Like that yeah. was, like, yeah. I had to make that commitment because yeah. otherwise it's not going to happen. And so you're yeah. so, especially in those early stages, so disoriented hormones are going crazy. Mm-hmm. It is literally and your body, right? Like yeah. your body is so different. Yes. Not, even three years later, my body is not what it used to be and it never will be. And sure. there's all of the this, this grief around losing not only my time and my schedule, but my, my body feels different. So I have mm-hmm. to actually learn how to be a new mm-hmm. person in this new yeah. body. Like yeah. there's a lot of... I mean, it's be- motherhood is like beautiful and gross and awesome and devastating and so joyful and all of yeah. the all of the, the the range of emotions, and and there's some grief that comes along with the mm-hmm. loss of what was. Yeah. I remember, like even the night before, I I knew I was I was going to be induced. We uh, we induced on a Sunday night, and so Saturday night, all of the sudden. I looked at my husband, Bill, and I was like, this is it. 
this is the last time. This is the last time we have a night to ourselves. And it was, it was, I was excited, of course, and nervous about delivery, but it was, it was grief that came out in that moment. It was like, I'm losing this whole stage of like being a married couple without kids. And so like we went out to eat, right? Like we (laughs) we went on a date to do, you know, I think that's why people do the baby moon thing. We didn't do that, but like there it's, it's a good idea because like, it was like, I needed support in that moment to deal with this grief and loss and this mini death, even though like I'm staring down new life ahead of sure. There's still death in that. Well, and I appreciate your honesty because I, I feel like so many, especially so many women, we have these feelings, right? And I don't know about you, but it's almost, I would catch myself like in this grief, I I feel like the world is telling me you should be so happy and so excited, mm-hmm. yeah. but yet I'm carrying along this grief too. Right. And so often we overlook the reality that we can hold both intention, mm-hmm. grief, sadness from this loss or the, these, these small deaths, plus great joy and, yeah. and, and happiness and elation. And so I appreciate your honesty in that. And just even, even having a safe space to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have anyone that you were able to to talk about that and process that while you were going through it? No, not really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I'm a pastor and so it, it's hard to open up to other folks in, in your church about that just because you have to keep professional, you know, Sure. Stuff. Boundaries, yeah. Boundaries, yeah. Um, I had I had my husband, and he was incredibly supportive, and also had no clue what I was talking <laughs> about. Right? Sure. sure. <laughs> He's it's a different like, experience. I'm sleeping, too. I'm sleeping yeah. too. Yeah. 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 And so, so I wish that I would have had um, that. I will tell you this though: that I've had um, a, about a year and a half later when COVID hit, I decided it was time for me to seek out a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was like, I was, I was at this point where like Finn, my, my son was weaned and I was like moving into different career goals and, and things like that. And then COVID hit and it was like, I could just feel, um, like something, big was happening in my life. This was like right at the tail end of like, it was right after my brother died of an overdose and then COVID was hitting. And it was like, I was needing to deal with this, this grief. And I also like turned 30, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another milestone. And turned 30 was weaned my child. So that's a hormonal shift. So there were some real changes happening in my life. Um, and, and I did just didn't know like what to do. And so for a year, um, I met with, um, my spiritual director for like every month and she was just, she listened, um, celebrated with me when I had things to celebrate. She cried with me when I had things to cry about. And at the end, and, and she just, held space for me. And, um, the, the metaphor that keeps coming up is, um, she was a kind of like a, a death doula for me, like a metaphorical death. Mm-hmm. doula. She's mm-hmm. actually trained as a doula. Wow. And, um, and then she moved into this space where she does spiritual guidance and coaching and she does similar work. 
She does similar work in a metaphorical sense, holding space, encouraging, um, helping meet needs. Um, You know, uh, I I didn't have a doula, but I had nurses that were really helpful in like, hey, let's let's try this position when you're giving birth. And so uh, gentle nudges when you need them. She was doing these things. My spiritual director was and I wasn't I wasn't giving birth literally maybe metaphorically, but I was also kind of dying at the same time, metaphorically, Mm. experiencing grief, experiencing loss, experiencing change all during COVID. And then my dad got sick and he died. So I had this person, this support person alongside me, praying for me, encouraging me and giving me space. She, she was the container for, for the chaos that I needed to let out, you know? And, and it's just so important. Like I think about all life changes. I'm remembering when I got married. So I, my husband and I met at seminary. We, we graduated and then six days later we got married and then a lot. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> listening that's planning a wedding. Like don't, <laughs> don't write a thesis and plan a, a lot time. Well, and we got engaged in February and got married in May. So it was like, we wow. this wedding really fast. Sure. Sure. So we did that. And then two weeks later he was appointed to a church in Western Kansas and we mm-hmm. lived in Dallas. And so it was a change of location it was like all of the life changes at yeah, once, right? Yeah. Like I like major life stressors too. That's yeah. a lot. I was no longer a collier because I took yeah. on my husband's last yes. name. So there was literally, truly a loss of name. Sure. And um, I remember this was so, so silly. It's so silly looking back now, but this I think is a good example of like the grief that I was feeling that I didn't even know. So we got married in Texas. And I planned on doing what my mom did when she got married is keeping my maiden name, but turning it into my middle name legally. Um, and so we had, you know, our marriage license in Texas. And then when I got to Kansas um, to legally change your name, um, you have to write on the the certificate itself, what you intend to change your name to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in that's not that there wasn't a space to do that. And so I couldn't change my maiden name to my middle name. I had to keep my, my middle name and, and drop Collier. Oh, wow. Like I cried about that. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Like, I mean, truly like I had, I had gotten my master's degree as Melissa Collier, right? Like yeah. that was something yeah. that it was like integral to who I was. And I, I love my family and I wanted to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I lost that. It was the literal, mm. literally a death of my name. And then, you know, we moved into an area that, you know, I had a master's degree in ministry and I didn't have a job because he was the, he was the appointed one and I wasn't. And, so I worked in a jewelry shop, which I'm really bad at. <laughs> like I can't sell jewelry to save my life. Uh, so like, like there, there was this death of like, I, I'm unemployed. Mm-hmm. And then when I was employed, it was something that I like was not good at and didn't, mm-hmm. didn't feel purpose in. And so there was this, this death that came with marriage. I mean, that first year was really hard. Sure. You know? There's a lot sure. of little deaths that happen. Yes. I, I think 
marriage is hard in general, but then all you add all that on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. We hope that you're enjoying today's episode of The Caring Congregation. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources. Also, to sign up for our Fall 2021 National Webinar, which will be held October 22nd through 23rd. Be sure to check out any episodes that you may have missed before this episode. For instance, Part 1 of Death and Dying. But now, back to our episode. I think that that death to self of independence, especially you and I are both very strong, independent women that right. um, we look at marriage as a partnership, which is a beautiful, holy thing. Mm-hmm. But the decisions that you make now impact another person. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's hard. That's, that's an adjustment. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it is. So when we think about, um, little deaths. Um, What are some other types of little deaths or life transitions that come to mind for you? Well, I think for me, just even going through COVID, that was um, the death, a loss of control. Um, The uncertainty, that was really hard for me. I think that I remember those first couple weeks, just sitting at home being you know, we had uh, every, everything shut down we were just at home. We went to the grocery stores, the fear of the unknown yeah. and the loss of, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to look like. I don't know what next week's going to look like. We don't even know. And at that point, do you remember the moment or, or maybe the days where you realized this is much longer than just a week or two? Like, do you remember, like, I remember having that, like, Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. this is serious. And yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. wow. And I think it was just, I remember really struggling at first of just not knowing mm-hmm. we just didn't know. And it was that, that death of, of being in control, knowing what's coming planning. I'm a planner. <laughs> and <laughs> You're the displaced calendar. <laughs> yes. It's like, why even have a calendar? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. What do you got going on tomorrow? Uh, nothing. <laughs> we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't see anyone. We can't right. travel. I I'm getting my calendar right now. So <laughs> um, if you look at November, especially I'm flipping, yeah. I know that people are listening, but like I'm showing my calendar for November <laughs> and I even have a vacation week block. Literally yeah. everything is crossed off. Like everything, everything yep. is crossed yep. off. Um, yep. My boss actually just gave us, um, we had an in-person meeting not too long ago and we got like a gift bag and he put white out in there and it was yeah. like, we all need this because we're still <laughs> like changing plans. But yeah, it was yes. so uncertain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're so uncertain. I think about, and I even think so. Like with the death, is like the death of of knowing, and then even for for me, I don't I don't know if other people are this way, but as someone who has lost someone to COVID, I have real and significant trauma from mm-hmm. this year. Sure, like I still. I'm hearing now about the Delta variant and yeah. the breakthrough cases that are rising 
and my mm-hmm. two-year-old can't va- get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm wearing masks in public. Sure. I'm sure. not, I'm not ready mm-hmm. for I'm not ready for things to go back to normal because normal sure. meant we were spreading COVID. Sure. <laughs> right. And so, sure. Sure. so like there's some fear that comes with with these big changes and and the grief that comes alongside that. It's like I, I don't think that we will be the same coming out of this. Like sure. as a society. You sure. know, I think there's gonna be suspicion and fear and real trauma for us to unpack. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder how you feel when I hear let's go back to normal. Mm-hmm. I think of the, I don't know, 600,000 lives lost. Yeah. Those families like you, they'll never return to normal. Right. That there is no normal to go back to. Right. And so it's almost a, it's a disregard of reality. It feels like a slap in the face, honestly. Sure. This is what's supposed to be a COVID episode. Here we are. Um, It does. It feels like a slap in the face. And and I think also when I hear folks make light of, oh, we survived the pandemic. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but half a million people didn't. Yeah. Over half a million people in America alone. And so Mm -hmm. what does Mm -hmm. that look like? And so when you think about loss on such a a large scale, I think Mm -hmm. about societal grief that we need to unpack. And you and I have talked about that before too. Mm -hmm. Like, there is truly, I mean, and here we can we can talk about you know sh- metaphorical deaths again. There's some societal deaths that are mm-hmm. happening with the way that the workforce uh, is is functioning now, with the way that the market. Like I, I just mm-hmm. bought a house. Oh my gosh, the market was bonkers, right? Sure, like, sure. The way that we our systems and structures are functioning, like when I hear. So first of all, there's there's death to those things. Those things are not working the same anymore. And when I hear, let's go back to normal, what I hear is a desire for people to go back to normal for whom the system was working. Mm. Right. Yes. And like, okay, so let's go back to normal if it worked for you, but for how many people did it not work? And so I think the, like the opportunity within these spaces of metaphorical deaths is for something new. Mm -hmm. We are resurrection Mm -hmm. people and I think, I mean, I truly, I'm such a resurrection person that I believe some things need to die in sure. order for the the new and the better and and the and and the good to emerge. Like I'm a gardener. I love perennials for that reason. You clear it out and there's the little green, you know, sprout. So like for me, it's it's this, it's this interesting place when you talk about metaphorical deaths of um similar to what you talked about with um loss and, and, and joy of having this new baby while also holding on to these grief, this grief as well. It, it's the same for, I think all metaphorical deaths, the potential for what's next can be beautiful and better and also terrifying. And so there's, there's this desire to stay or to go back to what was, and there's no going back. Sure. There's just no going back. But do you think that COVID has exposed the need for death to privilege, death to ego, death, um, death to um, greed? I mean, I, I, I look at um, like what you talked about the 
the need for all of that. And when we want to go quote back to it's, it's to that place of privilege. It's to that place of, of ego. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wonder how much it's exposed and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think that we, I don't want to say that like we needed to have a pandemic to learn. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. So I hope the listeners are not hearing that I am saying this is a good thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. Also, right. and also COVID was a mirror for many of us on a systemic level. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think about, I think about the timing of um, George Floyd's murder and mm-hmm. how that was just like the timing, you know, folks were home and they were mm-hmm. watching the news more than usual and engaged differently. Um, it sparked conversations um, and, and moves toward more equity and justice than there had been in the past. We're nowhere mm-hmm. near where we need to be, but I think it, it served as somewhat of a mirror there. And I think it got white folks talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. this wasn't new to people who's, who had been, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. experiencing oppression and injustice at the hands of police officers, but white folks we saw, and it gave us an opportunity to, to engage in a different way. Um, and, and, some of us were late to the party, but now we're here. And sure. so I think I think that was something that COVID kind of put a, held up a mirror to. Mm-hmm. Think about church systems even too. So mm-hmm. in my in my day job, <laughs> um, I'm the intergenerational discipleship coordinator for the Great Plains Conference. And so I get to resource kids and youth ministry leaders. And it, it, it became very obvious very quickly that kids and youth ministry had to pivot away from this model of come to my building to get resourced and grow your faith um, to let's resource the the adults, the grownups and the families to do, to be the primary faith formers. And, and really, and truly that's, that's what it should have been all along. Right. Sure. Like, like kids ministry and youth ministry should be resourcing the adults to, to, to be the primary faith formers because they are <laughs> like one hour a month. Isn't going to yeah. be the primary faith forming mechanism for a child. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so we've had to rethink that system. We've had to rethink. So, and I think about like, which is a death. I mean, it's totally a death. It's, it's it's the thought of I'm going to send my child to church to to learn. Mm-hmm. It's that that exporting of the faith in a sense. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a a death of um where the resu- well, I should say where the resurrection comes is mm-hmm. is the empowerment yeah. by each parent yeah. to be the faith leader. Yeah. And and there's a death too with kid there's a, a small death for kids and youth ministry leaders, because what, well, I wasn't hired to like create curriculum. I was, I was hired because I love kids and I get to run kids and now I don't get to do that or I have to figure out how to do it differently. And, and so, I mean, that's just one sector of it. Um, I think about, you asked about greed and like, 
<laughs> Jeffrey Bezos is like in space right now. <laughs> so like, I don't think yeah. COVID, like, yeah, I don't think COVID fixed anything. But I do think what it did is it gave us the opportunity to opportunity to reconsider what systems and structures are actually working, sure. and what is what what systems and structures we are cogs in the machine to help mm-hmm. other people and, and how it's working for them. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, this kind of goes back to indi- on the individual level, a lot of people are unpacking their trauma right now. And mm. that has yeah. some significant implications for like breaking generational habits and curses, if you want to call them that or trauma Um, Mm -hmm. death to specific relationships between different, you know, family members who have different beliefs politically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, question. The election exposed that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. This, I mean, again, right. Because 2016, it was the same thing. And I think it Mm -hmm. all came ahead again. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then also, like, there's such a large population of folks who are deconstructing right now. They have big and legitimate questions about um, their faith. Um, some have been so hurt, and some have seen how other churches have continued to attach themselves to the systems and structures of power and mm-hmm. privilege that they can't get with it anymore. And I'll stop myself because we're going to also do a, a, an episode on that. But those are some real, like when you wrestle with your faith, mm-hmm. you come out differently. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. a death. Absolutely. 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 I, but I love, you talked earlier about the de- a death doula, the concept mm-hmm. of a death doula. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about our congregational care ministers and our pastors who walk alongside people who experience these mini deaths, what's the best way to, um, to walk alongside someone? I think listening, I know it sounds so cliche, but actually hearing and listening, mm-hmm. holding space. Mm-hmm in a non-judgmental way, mm-hmm. right? So like all emotions are valid. Mm-hmm. What you're feeling right now is, a, yeah. is valid. Sure. And, and we can, and, and I can support you in how you're feeling and what you're asking. Um, I can pray for you. I can share resources, but I'm not going to judge you. Right. Sure. I think that's so, so important. Sure. When you say holding space, I also, and and you talk about emotions, I think holding that space to discover the emotions, Mm. to put names on those emotions. I think, like I said earlier at the very beginning about even just saying, you know, I I should be so happy for the birth of this, of this child. Mm -hmm. And yet this is hard. And these are the emotions I'm feeling Mm -hmm. um, and not feeling judged. I think that's that's so important. Well, um, I love that. I love that. So many great ideas. And I think, um, just naming it, talking about, about it and having this space to discuss the many deaths is, is so important. So, um, I'm grateful for this time together, Melissa. Me too. Thank you so much, Joy. Would you like to pray us out? I'd love to. God of grace. We give you thanks for the opportunity to, 
um, to, to hold space, to talk about difficult emotions, to talk about these many deaths that we have and will continue to have. And yet in the midst of that, oh God, we are resurrection people. And you walk alongside these deaths and these resurrections. And for that, we give you thanks. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com. There's resources, information on our upcoming webinar that's in October. Also, information on our brand new books, The Implementation Guide and Care Minister's Manual. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.